Father, thank you for this time this evening. Thank you for each man that's represented here. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us uh, through Neil tonight, and we look forward to what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. It's good to be with you. I'm honored to get to, to be here in this uh, this church. I kind of live in this area now for the last four years, so I'm, I drive by this church all the time and, because I love Ron and I've known him for a long time and love respect him greatly and love to be with him and it's good to be with him and several of you I've, I've met through the years and have known I've done a couple of things here I think a men's retreat a couple of years ago and uh, some other stuff so it's it's good to be here tonight <clears throat> now uh, as I begin I, I need and of course uh, some of you know this and some don't but uh, you all need to be aware of, of the fact that I um, I happen to be a stutterer. <laughs> now, of course, all that really means is that uh, I stutter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I often say I'm, I'm actually a, 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 a very good stutterer. Uh, 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 I do that well. And uh, so just, just know that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm often, uh, you know, I speak a lot, and I'm always very sensitive to the group because I know it has to be weird for you if you're here for the first time and you just just found out your speaker's a stutterer and you're thinking whatever you're thinking you're you're feeling sorry for the guy or you're thinking why do we have to have the stutterer or, or whatever you're thinking but um really uh let me set your minds at ease in one sense it, it's no big deal unless you're trying to say something and then believe me it it can be a factor and in all of my life it's been a factor i can you know, it's, it, it, I can honestly say if stuttering has done anything for me, it, it has definitely made my life exciting in that I never know in any situation I'm in if I'll be able to say something or not. And believe me, I've been in thousands of situations all of my life where I've had something to say, wanted to say it, and just had an exciting time trying to get it said. And it just affected me. But just know that, hey, I stutter. I will stutter. I'll get stuck. It's not contagious. You don't have to worry about this right here. It's not going to get on you. Not gonna, you won't be a stutter when you go home tonight. And, but... Uh, <laughs> But just know, when I do stutter, I just wait a minute because something is coming. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been, uh, I guess, assigned the topic, um, uh, what, what, uh, what our, our, uh, as, as parents, as dads, our, 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 every, our, every kid should know what we should teach our kids. And I was thinking about that. Man, that's, I'm not sure I'm, a, I'm that smart to know. Uh, all of that, and you know, I was I kind of, you know, started to work on this a uh, 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 little late, and realized, you know, this is huge. I mean, there's a lot of pieces in this thing. It could be, it could be a whole whole lot of things of 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 all of the what's, and you know, what do I want my kid, my son, and daughter to know. And, um, and we're going to talk about some of those, but, uh, you know, really more than just the what's that all of us need to know and to hear and to make a decision I'm going to do. More than that, though, you know what? We need that inspiration that touches our heart in such a way that, hey, we realize, hey, there's a certain dad out there, as we're going to talk about, and you know what? That's the, the dad I want to be. 
It's how I want to live my life as a father so my son gets some things that powerfully touch his life and shape his life. So my daughter gets some things that all of a sudden what touches her is what she sees in her dad is such things that her heart is, hey, I'm not going to settle for any man unless that man is just like my dad. (laughs) So when she's with that guy on a date and all of a sudden he shows he's a jerk, she immediately said, I'm out of here. I'm not putting up with this. Or if he's just not as kind and, and, and tender and sensitive and, and, and does all the things that she has seen in her dad and watched her dad treat her mom that way, if she doesn't see that stuff, she said, hey, I'm not wasting my time with this guy. That's the, that's the dad I want to be. That's how I want to live. Well, basically what I want to do more than anything else is just inspire you as men and as a father, as a one-day father, that, hey, there is a man and, and, and that and a father and this is, is uh, how, is, is who I want to be. Now, there are three images that uh, I want us to just have as, as, uh, as a framework of, of, of that, that uh, type of a dad. One is, is just, it's, um, and how a kid learns things. You know, one, and the greatest thing is, that kid watches how his dad is living his life. It's, it's the modeling of being a man. It's, it's the modeling of, as we're going to see in a minute, living life. It, it's the modeling of a marriage, a family, of love. It's a modeling of faith. It's a modeling of what is a... Hey, a, a, a kid asks a question. Hey, what do you do when your whole world caves in? Well, his, his or she ultimate answer to that question for their life is, Watching their dad go through the greatest struggle of his life and watching how does his dad do this. Which means, you know what? <laughs> Maybe the greatest struggle I go through in my life. In, in business and in life and health and all that stuff, the greatest struggle in my life. Maybe the greatest opportunity I have to live in such a way that powerfully impacts my son and dad's life, that affects them. I mean, my son and daughter's life, that affects them for the rest of their life. Maybe the greatest thing I can give them. So you may be going through hell right now. But hey, there's... there's a, i got to handle this thing well. Why? Because a, a son, a daughter is watching me. You know, somebody famous made this statement. I'm not sure who it was. It was, it was some big shot. I've, I've, uh, I forgot. Um, in fact, it may have been me. I'm not sure. But, but somebody made this statement. Somebody said, the only thing God can use to make a man is a boy. Where does a boy learn how to be a man? He watches a man be a man. He watches his dad be a man. Where does a little girl learn how to be a lady? Well, of course, she watches a, a, her mom, a, a lady, be a lady. How a mom, what does a daughter learn how a woman ought to be untreated? Hopefully she sees her dad treat her mom a certain way. 
That's, that's uh, the whole image of just what they see. What they see in us. The greatest legacy we have, more than what we say, is what we do. And, and how we live our life. That's the first image, is, is that modeling. Second is, of course, you learn from what we say. And, 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 and that whole teaching aspect. I want to be my kid's model for living. I want to be my son and daughter's teacher about life. That, that, so I'm, I'm talking to them. I'm, I'm having those moments. We were sitting down and, and, and talking about life and relationships and loves and, and, and future and sex and, and, and money and, and temptation and, and all that stuff. I want to be the one who... who now, I thank God for the church, for Ron, for the, the youth pastor, for youth stuff. All that's wonderful. But you know what? Ultimately, my responsibility is to be the model that they see it and they hear it from their dad. Now, I did youth ministry for a lot of years, and, 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 and I was shocked, shocked so much. And how many kids, we'd have a testimony time, and, 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 and kids were standing up, and, and we were talking, hey, who influenced your life? Well, the kids would stand up and saying, well, my coach did, or my, or my youth pastor, or my Sunday school teacher, or this. Very few are saying, my dad did. And that pierced my heart. You know what? When my two, uh, it, it scared me at, 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 at that point. This is years ago. I said, you know what? I want to be that person in my, my kid's life. Now, I want them to be some other people as well. Because experts say every kid needs, needs at least several significant adults in their life. I want them to have a great mom. I want them to have a great son school teacher. But you know what? I want them to see and get this stuff about life from me as their dad. They see it. They hear it. And... You know what? It's that whole idea. They, they, he watches how uh, his dad lives. He hears what his dad says. And also his dad is involved in his life. Ultimately, and here's what I mean, I mean by that. I want to be so involved in my kid's life that I'm there. I'm involved. We have a relationship. He feels safe with me. He feels comfortable with me. He knows I love him. He knows I care about him. And, and all that is because of time. I've invested in my life. I am there. I'm involved. So when he has those huge questions about life, he comes to me. It's amazing how many kids get in trouble. I mean, a huge thing's happened in their life. And I've been a pastor for years. I've had him say this. My first response is, hey, we've got to tell your dad and mom. Their response is, oh, no way, I'll tell my dad. He'd kill me. Now, you know, you know, there's a fine line there. I always, warning my son, always have that fear that, yes, I would kill him. <laughs> and his life is on the line. And, you know, I saw in my life with my dad how that saved me a lot of time. I mean, uh... Uh, some heartache. And Dad told me early, I told James uh, this same thing. Hey, James, if you get in a situation and it's over your head and you know you shouldn't be there and, and you're afraid how you can get out of this thing looking good not, and saving face, all you got to say is, hey, my dad knew he was here. He'd kill me. So I got, man, guys, I'd love to stay. Love to be a part of this. 
but my dad's going to kill me and I'm getting out of here. Well, hey, blame it on me if you want. I don't care. But, but see, bottom line, I want my... If my daughter, and, and, and for me, both of my are married, so I'm past... But you know what? If my daughter made a mistake and got pregnant before she was married, you know what? Now, you know, that's... Again, that didn't happen to me, and I've, but I've worked with a bunch of kids who've been through that. That's, that's tough. That's pretty hard. But, but you know... Ultimately, what she desperately needs in her life at that moment, she needs. She needs a strong man in her life. I want to be that man. And I want to have built a relationship with her so that she, when she desperately, in a sense, her life is hanging in the balance. I mean, she's going to go one way, either, either to life or she's going to choose hell and whatever. I don't want to be a part. I want her to come to me. Well... You have to earn that right. You have to have to lay the foundation. That's why I can't make my career my God and be gone all the time and expect to have an intimate, loving relation with my kids so that they feel safe and comfortable with me. And when they have a question about life, when a son starts thinking about sex, I want him coming to me. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, but that's the idea. Those three ideas. I'm kind of rambling a little bit and kind of chasing some rabbits. But those are the three ideas. So here, here, here's just a couple of thoughts I had about, about what I want my kid to get. I want him to get, hey, how do you do life? How do you do life? Well, he's, he's, he's watching me. That's why, that's why I believe, for me, the ultimate number one thing in, in my life I got from my dad is, is a passionate love relationship he had with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I realize now that is the, it, shaped, it shaped who he was. Shaped how he lived his life, shaped everything that he did, and it shaped how he raised us. It shaped how he loved my mom. Shaped how uh, uh, shaped who I am. Shaped my values about life. Shaped my my uh, convictions about life. Shaped what I want to do with my life. Now, my dad was raised by a uh, alcoholic father, and. In fact, my dad, um, um, his his dad would be gone or drunk from time to time, and uh, you know for a weekend or a binge, just be gone for a n- number of days. And his uh, he was raised in Corpus, and dad's mom would never let any screen door in the house ever be locked if Dewey Jeffrey, my dad's dad, was ever out on a drunk. Because you always hoped if he ever decided to come home, he'd have no trouble getting back in the house. One day, when my dad was a sophomore, his dad left on a, a binge, and my dad never saw him again, ever. He just, he just evaporated. He just was gone. My dad spent the rest of his life. My dad died almost 20 years ago. He spent the rest of his life hoping and praying one day he'd see his dad again. My dad was president of the Festival of Christian Athletes, a national organization. 
He always hoped and prayed he'd be speaking someplace, and, and he's speaking in Miami, and they have a big article in the paper. He was hoping his dad might be in Miami. And we see this thing. It would show up, and, and he, he's just, but he never did. He died. Never seen his dad again. You know what? It's possible that, that my dad could have become an alcoholic. And that happens all the time. I mean, you always hear a kid saying, hey, last thing I'm ever going to do is drink like my dad drank. But it's amazing how many of those guys end up drinking. Uh, all of my dad's sister, all three of my dad's sisters married men who were alcoholics. All of my cousins on that side just was an thing. It's conceivable my dad could have become an alcoholic. I could have been raised in the home of an alcoholic. I could be, as a 56-year-old guy, I could be struggling with that in my life. My kids could be. It happens all the time. The sins of the father repeats. But the fact is, when, when my dad was a sophomore at Baylor... His roommate, Dr. Bill Toller, who was at seminary for years, I had Dr. Toller at seminary. My favorite story, you had him at seminary, Ron, one of the greatest guys of all time. He led my dad to, to save the knowledge of Jesus. Changed my dad's whole life. Changed the direction of his life. And praise God, my dad met and married the greatest Christian woman I've ever known. My mom, Francis White. Changed everything. You know what? Changed how he raised me. There is nothing greater in my whole life than knowing I had a dad. That's how he did life. How? He wanted to honor God with his life. Which means, I watched a man have a passionate relationship with How does a boy learn that? He watches a dad. He's pursuing Jesus. Where does a boy learn how to pray? He hears his dad pray. Man, I heard my dad pray so many times. He wasn't that smart. He, he, he never... I finished college, but he had a, and my dad wasn't perfect, but he had a real faith with a real Savior. He lived it out in the real world, in the midst of real life situations. And as much as my dad struggled, he was up sometimes, down sometimes, but he was real. You know, I know how, how it ought to do it. You know, I watched a man do it. I heard a man pray. What does a boy learn how to love the Word of God? He's got a dad that loves the Word of God, who's committed to this book. You know, I always had a fear. My kids, I'm on staff at a church. I didn't want my three kids to, to think that in some way uh, this book is only a Sunday book. It, it's part of the uniform as a minister. It's something you get and take to church with you. No. Uh, hey, this is life itself. It's God's Word. It's alive. It, it can shape and direct our life. Where does the boy learn that? I was a, a junior in high school, and I'm, I'm uh, in the car with Dad, and we're, we're driving down the street one time. He hands me an, a, a New Testament. He says, hey, Neil, turn to Romans chapter 8. And I flipped over Romans chapter 8. Check me on this, word for word. He quoted all 39 verses of Romans chapter 8. Man, it blew me away. Made me think, you know what? Maybe this, this whole Bible thing is a bigger deal than just a book you've got to find to go to church. Maybe it's something I ought to spend some time with every day. And maybe start memorizing. And maybe start really applying all this stuff in my life. Where does a boy learn that? He's got a dad who does that. Where does a boy just learn how to live life? How to be honest? He's got a dad that's honest. Man of integrity. He's got a dad who's committed to integrity, who's just responsible. He works hard. When he makes a mistake, he steps up and says, I was wrong. I blew that. That's my fault. Where does he learn that? He's got a dad who, who, who does it. You know, take it. where does a boy maybe learn how to 
die. Watch his dad die, maybe. Watch my dad die. He got pancreatic cancer. This is a bad cancer to get. As I understand it, there are three types. He got the worst type. They said he got three months to live. He lived a year and a half. Had that awful surgery that he almost died from. Uh, suffered, sick, lost all that hair, uh, all that weight. Just he couldn't taste anything the last year of his life. My dad loved to eat. I mean, he loved to eat. He couldn't taste anything. He was miserable. But you know what? My dad lived his life well because I watched him. And he, he suffered greatly. When my dad suffered, you know, he suffered well. Honored God, was faithful all the way to the end. He just did. And when my dad's tie, time came to die, I watched a man die with integrity and honor and faith all the way to the end. You know what? I know how it ought to be done. Because I watched a man do it. When I was at seminary, I had a professor, Dr. Um, Curtis Vaughn, a Greek professor, brilliant guy, as, as, as great an example of a scholar and a gentleman I've ever been around. Just brilliant. In, in, in the old Greek, in the Bible, I mean, awesome. For the same semester I had him, his wife was dying of breast cancer. Man, I watched that. I mean, I got Greek from him. He inspired me in that, but more than that, I watched this guy faithfully every day. Honor his wife, to pray for his wife. He, he was always in class. We left his class. He went back home for his next class to check on his wife. That semester, she died. He buried her. You know what? Eight years ago, my wife got breast cancer. Had to have that surgery, mastectomy. Had, had the whole thing. All, all that stuff. You know what? I thought about, hey, I know what a man's supposed to do in this situation. You know why? I watched a man do it. Dr. Curtis Vaughn. And I'm going to do it exactly the way Curtis. You know how, man, how powerful that is to live. You know, for me, the ultimate reason of doing life well, because, hey, I got three kids who are watching their dad, who are making decisions about life, about work, about relationship, about, about family, about, hey, why, why should my, this is in the next one also, but just, but just all of that. Hey, where does the boy learn how how to love the church of Jesus Christ. He's got a dad who loved the church. We're going to be committed as a family to the church. And dad took us to church. We went to church. You know, you don't have Sunday night at church. Dude, we don't either. Hey, I was raised going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Now think of how awful that is. I mean, I'd be a little kid just, just in church Sunday morning. You come home. Of course, you go out and play football all afternoon. And all of a sudden, dad comes out about 4 o'clock and says, okay, Boys, it's time to go to church, and we were, oh man, we're going to go to church and go get in the car. I mean, I did this a thousand times. I'm in the car, in the back seat, looking out the window, driving out the, out the, 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 the driveway and down the street, looking at all my friends out the back seat, going, no, 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 this is stupid. I mean, I hated it, but you know, all of us, hey, my whole family's involved in the church. Why? We had a dad who just said, this. This is it's just a, a big deal about life. It's just passion. But just a real man with a real faith. How does a boy do life? He watches a man do life. Now, one thing, and, and then also uh, uh, he talks about, he teaches that. We'll talk about that more. In Second idea. Thing I want my kid to give. Such how to do life. How to do marriage. How does a man love a woman? How does a woman love a man? You know what? If you, 
if you, if, if, you, if, you, if you think about the greatest number one cause in our life, in our whole life of joy and pain is relationships and marriage. It's a huge thing. I mean, it shapes, a family shapes everything. You go through a divorce. Man, it hurts. It's painful. You lose something in that thing. Or if you just stay married and it's miserable. That's, that's, hey, that's, where does the boy learn? This is how it ought to be done. Well, hopefully he's got a dad and a mom who committed to do this thing right. And say, hey, this is how a man loves a woman. Where does the boy learn how to treat a woman? He's got a dad who, one, showed him, two, told him, and three, when he stepped out of line, he got disciplined. I remember once vividly. I was like a eighth or ninth grade, and I was, you know, getting bigger, stud athlete, and kind of mom was kind of said some stuff to mom. Mom shouldn't have said unkind, uncruel, and just kind of backed her down. But she left. I'm thinking, yeah, kind of showed her. Where dad shows up. I remember this. As I mean, it gets right in my face. His nose and on my nose. I could smell his coffee breath. I mean, I see his stubbles. I mean, just I mean, he gets in my face and says, "This is a great line." I use this exact same line on my son James. He gets in my face. He says, "Son, long before your mom was your mom, she was my wife." And I don't let any man talk to my wife the way you just talked to my wife. Then he, I didn't even see it coming. He takes that right hand of his, just slaps him inside the head. I, mean, I, shook my, shook my, I didn't even see it coming. The left one came. It just wham with him inside the head. I mean, just, you know what? I know, how, I know what you do and what you don't do. Why? I had a dad who was invested in my life, who just one showed me and told me, and three, you know what? We, here's one thing that my dad didn't do well. And I, I have suffered from this. and Well, not suffered, but, but I have tried to do a better job with my kids. My dad did not do a good job of talking about such things. He had a hard time. He didn't have a good dad. He didn't know how that was supposed to be done. And he lived it well. He was, but you know what? It was hard for him to talk. We didn't have that sex talk. My dad never actually... My mom did. My dad never... I never felt... Now... My dad is my inspiration, always has been, my hero. If I had a question about life, I was always, I just never felt comfortable going to my dad. I'd go to my mom. Of course, mom was always there. Mom's always talked. If I had questions about stuff. But you know what? I wanted all three of my kids to uh, come to me. That's why I started them early. Spending time with each kid. Because, you know, if you're going to build a relationship with them, I've got to be there. There has to be some history there. You can't all of a sudden be gone and all of a sudden your, your, your daughter is a sophomore in high school and go in and say, hey, let's talk. I share your life with me. It doesn't work that way. It's got to be built up over time where I'm invested in that thing. I, I, heard, I heard years ago Joe White, the founder of Canicut and all this stuff, talk about how he started this years ago. Uh, he's the one who puts his kid to bed. Regardless, he's going to be. Now, of course, he travels a bunch, and sometimes he can't do it. But if he's home, he's the guy. Doesn't matter if the ball game's on, doesn't matter what's going on, he's going to put his three kids. I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to start doing. 
I'm going to start being the guy. It's going to be me. So, man, every night, I got James and, and, and put James, James as my youngest, and I get him. I started this, this whole pattern of just of getting on my knee, and just, and just he, he's in bed, and just getting down there right beside him, and just looking at him. I mean, eye to eye. You know what? I, I've thought about this. The most significant thing that may have happened in my kid's life in that whole day is the moment that their dad, their authority figure, their hero, the, the biggest man in their life, stops his world, gets on his level, eye to eye, and just looks at him. You know what eye to eye just, just says things that says, I love you, I value you, but I'm stopping my world to be with you. Just take that time. And, 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 and I did the exact same thing every night. I, I just said, hey, hey, James, man, how you doing? In life, of course. I mean, he, he would always say when he was little, uh, "Everything's good." Well, um, any questions I can I can ask about anything, anything? He'd go, uh, "Nope." I said, "Well, anything I can pray for you uh, as your dad?" He go, uh, "Nope." I can't think of anything. I said, "Well, anything that's about life I can help you with, or is there anything I, as your dad, am not doing? I need to be doing?" He'd go, uh, "Nope." I can't think of anything. I said, "Well." We always had a Bible verse we were, we were memorizing together. And I prayed for him. I mean, and then, of course, I prayed, man, I'd just hug him and just give him a kiss. Well, with, with all three of my kids. Because he's the youngest. He's in bed early. Uh, Melissa was my next one. She just goes to the next. Natalie, my oldest, when she was a senior at high school at, at J.J. Pierce. She's president of the choir. And uh, their fundraiser was uh, 7.7. For Christmas, and they're a big, big, big trip in the spring. Well, she's the president of the choir. She's up before the choir. whole choir's there, and they're and they're and they're uh, doing an accounting of how much you sold, how much you sold. Old. Well, one kid still owed sixty-nine dollars. Of course, sixty-nine is is a sexual slang thing. I mean, image thing. You know what that is. I mean, I mean, if you don't, you can ask Ron. He, uh, he knows all that stuff. He knows all that stuff. He's got um, ten stories. He's got videos. He can show you. I mean, I mean, no, I'm kidding. But, 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 uh, you know, it's a sign thing. Well, well, everybody starts giggling. Natalie didn't know what that meant. And so she says, what? What? Of course, everyone now realizes she didn't know what that means. And they started laughing at her. But that... This pierced her heart. I mean, she felt stupid. She felt all that stuff. Well, now it's it's late that night. Of course, it's after midnight, and I'm 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 putting her to bed. Of course, I'm exhausted. Um, often, so many nights, I don't want to do this because I've been I've been I've been I mean I'm a minister. I've been helping people all day long. Last thing I want to do is is, is talk, but you got to do it. I'm sitting with her. Had her time. I asked her all those questions. Nope, she didn't say anything. I'm walking out the room, turn off the light. You know, it's amazing how most teenagers are never really ready to talk until after midnight. I don't know why that is. That's just the way it is. I'm walking out, flip on the light, and, and here she says, Daddy? As soon as she said that, I knew something was up. Just the way she said, Daddy, I, I knew something was up. I said, yeah, baby, what's up? Went back there, got on my knees, look, and she, she, she starts crying. She says, yeah, something happened to school. It's really bothered me. And we talked about it. And she said, well, there's a, a, a 69 thing, and I didn't know what it meant, and everyone else did. And I felt stupid. I felt I didn't know what I did. You know what I did? <laughs> I grabbed her and just hugged her and said, honey, 
God wants us to be instant of such things. In fact, the Bible says Ephesians, like, um, I forgot where it is, 512 or something like that. Says, or, 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 it's in there someplace, trust me. Um, uh, uh, it says, God doesn't even want us to even speak of those things that, that the Gentiles do in secret. You can take all of that sexual pornography and, 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 and lump it in all of that. God has said, honey, God wants us to be innocent of thing. You felt stupid, but honey, you're exactly where God wants you to be. And I just hugged her and just affirmed her. But, but my point is this. She asked me about that. And you know what I did? I actually told her exactly what 69 is. Now, you're shocked that I even knew, don't you? But I told her, hey, honey, it's a sexual slang thing. It's a term. And it... Here's what it means. We talked about that. You know what? I started all three of my kids early about sex. And I told them, hey, we had the dinner. I took all three of them out. Spent some money on my girls. We did the promise ring. We did, we did the whole thing. With all, all, we did all that stuff. But you know what? I told them, honey, one of the greatest things I've got. Now, you've got to do this your way and, 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 and how you, you, you do it. With me, I was a virgin. When I got married, actually... I was ignorant when I got married. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I, I, was, I was sheltered. I was, I was scared to death of girls. I was shy. Cause we didn't have any things then. All we had was Playboy back then and that kind of stuff. We didn't have anything to get, to get, that you got now. But I was a virgin. Sheila was a virgin. We were committed to doing things. You know, I took all three of my kids, sat them down and said, Honey, Greatest, one of the greatest things I value in my life is my relationship with, with your mom. And that we waited. We held ourselves for each other. And, and we, we waited until that wedding night to do this thing called sex. You know what? That does, I guarantee you, they are hearing everybody does it. Everybody's involved in this. Every show says that. Every, every, every friend says that. Everybody says You know what? They need to hear somebody say, hey, there's another way to do this. And it's God's way. God's way because He loves you. Wants you to have sex. Wants you to, to see it all and touch it all and to feel it all. But you know, the way you, you get this for a lifetime is you do it God's way. And God's way is a man saves himself, honors his God by saving himself for that woman. She honors God by saving herself. And they come together in marriage, and then they enjoy each other for a lifetime. Well, you talk to that. You tell them, Ann, I want my son. Now, her girls, of course, are, are different. I, I told James early, and, and the belief, this was not easy for me. I'm, I'm more of a prude. I'm pretty conservative. I'm pretty... You know, I don't. I mean, I get embarrassed really easy. It was hard having that. Uh, in fact, it was easier with the girls than with James. But with James, I mean, I just I started talking about all this stuff and sex and petting and masturbation and all that stuff. And, and, and I mean, I used terms. We did everything at, at the appropriate time. We did pictures. I showed him some. I mean, all that stuff. You know why? I wanted him to hear all that stuff from his dad. And, and I told him, son, you're going to hear all kind of things at school. 
You're going to hear guys who say they've done this, and they've done that, and they've done this. And, they, and, and they're going to say all kind of stuff. Hey, son, I want you to, to know this. Those kids don't know. Your dad knows. And son, you've got a question about anything, about somebody, about somebody said or something you heard, or even something you saw. You come and ask your dad. And son, my commitment to you is, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to say exactly what it is, answer your question. If I don't know it, I'm going to, I'm going to find the answer. Because I want him, when he's struggling with, with huge issues about what the world's talking about and what they're doing, I want them to feel comfortable. Hey, what is this thing? I'm going to go ask Dad. And, and, and Dad's going to you. You've got to earn that, 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 um, that aspect. of What does a boy learn how to love a woman? You know this whole loving a woman thing? That's a lifetime journey. I was going to say struggle. <laughs> but hey, uh, it is. I mean, I've been married 34 years. At times, it's wonderful. At times, it's, it's good. At times, it's okay. At times, it's tough. At times, she is weird. I mean, it's just, it's it, all that stuff. But don't, you know what? I want my son to know, hey, son, my ultimate protecting my life is to honor my God. And the ultimate way I'm going to honor my God, one is being faithful to him, but, but, but two is I want to be faithful to my wife, and I'm going to honor her, and I'm going to love her the way Christ loved the church. They, to, uh, to one, see that in our relationship and our marriage, and to be such that I have a relationship with them so that they can ask this, Dad, what about this? Dad, what about this? Dad, now James, my son, who just finished Baylor in December, and he's, he's looking for a job, and he has a girl who, who, who he thinks is the one. We love her. I hope she's the one. And, but you know, it's just so oppresses our discussions. He hears Sheila and I have some, because uh, he's living at the house now. As, as a grown man. And he hears us having some discussion. Well, he knows what those discussions are like now because he's got a girl he has discussions with. And, and, and after we get done, I'm walking away. And Dad go. I mean, I mean, James kind of kind of laughing at me. I mean, just, just because uh, we can talk about such things. I talk about, hey, it's hard. It's tough. But, you know, I'm in this thing all the way to the end. Just how to love a woman. That's another How to use money. Huge area of life. Money. Uh, somebody said, make all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. Man, you know, this is just how to, to help my kids learn and realize. And, and one, they got to see it in me and hear us, us talk about it. Hey, my greatest objective in life is not to be wealthy. Money is a wonderful thing. But, you know, I want to honor God with my life and with my money. Meaning, man, make all you can give, but hey, I'm giving God His His thing. Every, you know, I was raised that way. Now we don't do envelopes anymore. When I was a kid, uh, in the old uh, uh, so Baptist, we did envelopes. Every who who in this room remembers envelope, an envelope? Well, this is, uh, all you old guys. You know, we did an envelope, and what you did is you filled it out, had your name, 
Had this, if you studied your Bible every day that week, you, know, you did all that stuff, and you put your money in. The, we did it every Saturday night. Every Saturday night, Dad had us, if we had our own money, or he gave us, and we put it in that, and we took that offering to church as expressed in the Well, nobody does that. You know what? I've got to be honest. I don't. In fact, I'm convicted this last year of how I always give more than 10%. But you know what? I don't. I've, I've fallen in that pattern of just waiting until kind of the end of the year and then kind of catching up. I'm convicted I'm not going to do this anymore. Man, I'm, every day of worship I go, I'm, I'm taking an offering to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's how they learned that. That's how they get that. How, how, and I don't want them to see that, that, that life, the quality of life is not tied to how much money we got. That's the ultimate I want them to get. How they learn, uh, how they see in their dad, a dad who, who holds things with open hands. Meaning, I give freely to the church. I give freely to people who have needs. I want them to see that. To see that your dad, hey, he's got some money. Which, you know, he's using this money by blessing a lot of people in this thing. That's what I want them to see in the field. How do you, and, and, then, and then forth. And, and again, um, actually, I had, had all these notes. You know, what are you going to do with that? But there's no way. But, but I want them to know, hey, how do you know for sure you are saved? How do you know you're going to heaven? You know what? There is nothing sweet. Third John 4, my dad's favorite verse. Third John 4. It's written on my dad's tombstone. Third John uh, verse 4 says this. I have no greater joy than this. To know that my children walk in truth. There's nothing sweeter than knowing Natalie knows that she's saved. You know why? And it's going to sound like a bragging, but I was the one who led her to Christ. January 11th. At 19, she was... 86, on her bed, in her room, me by her side, mom standing right there. She had questions. We talked. I led her to faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Melissa happened almost exactly the same way. To James, a little bit longer. He was a little bit tougher, just had kind of a harder time. But you know what? Sheila and I were involved in that as well. Hey, do you know how to lead somebody to Jesus? You know, I think the greatest thing in life is knowing my kid's going to stand up and say, my dad's the one who led me to, to save knowledge of Jesus. That's sweet. That's precious. You know, all you got to do, in fact, the verses I used, Romans 3, 23, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. James, all of us are sinners. We, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You may be a great guy, but... But we're measured not up against other people. We're measured up against God, who's perfect. And all of us are short of that. All of us are sinners. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. Now, James, you know what a wage is. A wage is something you earn. You work at a job for oh, two weeks. You've earned two weeks' pages. They'll pay you two weeks' pages because you've earned that. The Bible says we have the wages of our sin. What we've earned of our sin is death. Separation from God in hell forever. But it says, 
The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, son, you know what a gift is. It's free. You don't earn a gift. You can't buy a gift. It's something on your birthday. You didn't do anything to earn this gift. You just were born. But you get, all you do is believe it and receive it. And then oh, he struggles. So call upon the name of the Lord. We'll be saved. That's essentially all you got to do. All you got to know. But you know, I want them to know that they know that that when they are going to are, are facing the end, they're not worried about it. And I don't want them just going through life wondering whether I stand with God. I want them to know, hey, it's a grace thing. It, 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 it's not what I do; it's what He's done for us. I want them to to know that as well. The the, the idea is, hey. The, the, the fact is, I am, God has, has set it up where we are king of the house. But, man, if you're king, whatever happens in your kingdom is our responsibility, good, bad, or ugly. And as king, am I living, am I leading as a king that my subject in my Kingdom, my wife and my kids are thriving. Because you know, you got good kings, you got bad kings. If you got a bad a king, you can have a bad a kingdom. Things are a mess. Nobody's flourishing. Everybody's living under this dread and whatever. Hey, I want to be a servant king. I want to be a shepherd king like David was and Jesus. I want to be a warrior king who stands up and defends them against whatever it is that's out there that's bad. And you know what? I want to be a mentor king. You know, I want to be the one that they seek. This is how you do life. Just, just, just uh, six more things. Just, you know what? I want to accept my kids, just like they are. Uncon, this way, it makes them feel truly special. I want to appreciate them. Find something good that they're doing. You know, it makes them feel significant. I want to be affectionate toward my kids. Man, I want to hug them and love them. Kiss them. I still kiss James. And of course, he went through a time where he didn't like that. Now, he kisses me. Man, I, I want them to feel their dad's arms around, around them. They know dad loves me. I know that. Uh, availability. I'm involved in their life. That's time. And the greatest struggle all of us have is time. Demands of life, business, of work. It's overwhelming. Man, we cannot sacrifice our kids for the sake of career. I guarantee you, you will not be happy with the results of that down the road. You will be happy. Even if you're not the CEO of the whole thing, knowing you've got kids who love you, who love God, and are living. See, my dad used to always say, hey, you can have a $10 billion company and a 10 cent kid and I think you're a loser you can have a 10 cent company and a billion dollar kid and I think you've done it well that's the idea then accountability have a standard and and rules and accountability it gives self-control for them it's how they learn that and there has to be an authority all of us have to learn how to live under authority that's why God wants us as men to learn how to listen to Him. And when He says something, our response to our God as our authority is, 
Yes, sir. Where do you learn that? You got a dad who teaches a boy, son. When dad speaks, you say, Yes, sir. That's that's all part of the process. Well, now, we've got a few minutes left. And you know what? There's so much more I wanted to say and do. And and there's so much more in there. But just uh, anybody got any questions before we close? And and I don't know if if, if I actually, Ron, covered the subject or not or, or, or did it the way it was supposed to be done. I'm not sure if I feel good about it, but that's what it was. So any questions about anything? Any, 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 any things you want to say or ask? Or just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any, any, any thoughts or, or questions about anything? You know, I... I yes. Well, first, before, you that, uh, before I lose this thought, you know what? My dad wasn't that, that open with me. We talked about sports easily. But for his life, it, it was just hard. I remember driving in the car when I was in high school with my dad and just wanting to talk to him about life, about stuff. And it just it was weird. I couldn't do it. Now, if I said something, hey, how about the Cowboys? Oh, man, we're on that. We're talking to everything. But just life, it was, it was tough. You know what? I found myself following that same pattern with James. It was just hard because I didn't have that done. And I, and I decided, you know what? I'm hitting this thing head on. I felt uncomfortable and easy. And so what I did is I set James down. And, and we had tried something. They never went. And, and I just was open with James. I said, James, hey, I want you to know, one of the things I want to do with my life, my lifetime goals, is to have an incredible relationship with you as your dad. So we, we are connected and we have a wonderful Relationship as father son, I want that. But at times I just feel weird, and I just I want us to talk about things. But time, I, I have a hard time just saying stuff, and and and, 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 and it's just weird. And, and what I did, I was just up front with it, and just said, "Hey, James, here's what I'm struggling with." And, and it, but you, I want us to have this. So so at times I may say something, and it may sound stupid, and you may think, "Yeah, that's weird." Hey, I just know this is my heart. This is what I want to do. So, so I just told him that. And it was up front. Well, he understood it. And you know what? Every now and then, I kind of awkwardly would say something. He'd go, he said, that, that was awkward. But it opened up. We were able to talk. and do it. So I'm saying, and with a girl. I remember the first time when Natalie was, 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 was um, like in junior, uh, hidden womanhood. And I was walking, holding her hand. Had always held her hand, just loved as daddy holding my little girl's hand. But one day I remember holding her hand, and it dawned on me she's a woman. I mean, has all the woman parts and stuff, and, and it shows. I mean, it was just weird. It was just different holding my little girl as a as as a woman now. Well, you know, we have all that stuff, and the easiest thing is I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to kind of give up. Can't do that. Hey, I'm 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 gonna get involved. I'm I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna say, even if I got to say, hey, Natalie, I'm not exactly sure how to do this, but this is what I want to do, and just just go into it. Yes, real quick. Yeah, they're older. There's been some history there, and and you know I got a lot of guys 
in my church, are we, who got saved late in life, who didn't, who didn't do it well at all. I mean, who did it wrong? I'm not saying you did, but, but, but these guys did. Well, now, uh, uh, they experienced a whole new life. I mean, they discovered Jesus, a purpose and a peace and a power to life, all that stuff. Well, their kids aren't buying it. Well, you know, I've got, I got to realize, hey, some of the stuff I cause, and they're mad, but what I'm, every kid longs to have a good life with his dad. We know that. God stuck it in there. He may be hating it now, but in his heart of hearts, he wants that. Well, uh, that's on my side. Two, and, and, as you said, my example is the greatest thing. Eventually, he or she are going to realize, you know what? Dad's not the same man. There's something different about Dad. And they're going to do it. But I'm going to, you know, you can't constantly keep braiding them with stuff and keep preaching. You can't. But you've got to be like a good, good prize fighter. You know, look for an opening every now and then. Get a shot and kind of take a shot, kind of share something, kind of back off and let them have some space. And then come up and you see, I'm going to say something now. You see, and, and you say something, you, but you keep praying for them. You keep talking to them and, and uh, you know, and some of us didn't have a good dads at all. And, you know, I uh, encourage men all the time, hey, take a step of faith and just reach out to your dad. Whatever that situation is and just see what God will do. And, you know what? Even if, if my son is rebuffing me, still, deep down in his psyche, and see, James, when he was a sophomore in junior, we had, I mean, he went through a weird time. He, he kind of wanted to do his own thing. He was, he was tired of being Neil Jeffrey's son, the quarterback. and the, I mean, he was kind of tired of that. He went into this, and, and it was tough. But, you know what, I, I discovered, even though... He wasn't responding to what I was saying, and, and, and we were butting heads, and, and things weren't real smooth for a time. But still, he knew. He knew he was being hard to relate to. He knew that. And he was, he was making it harder, but in his heart of hearts, he also knew Dad is still pursuing him. He knew that also. And, and, and he knew, you know what, I'm being... And actually, he even said this later. Hey, I'm being a jerk. But Dad still loves me. Dad's still reaching out. And, and there's, a, there's a, a, a powerful aspect of that also. Yes. Yes, what's sad is, is it used to, that didn't happen until junior high. It's just, it's, it's, it's gotten earlier and the way things are. Well, you know what, you want to be, be um, also, you know what I've learned about through youth ministry all these years? If, if I, as a parent, are, are involved in my kids' lives, in, in, in being at their stuff and being around in, in, in youth ministry, I mean, I saw this all the time, where, where a, a kid had a dad who started teaching in our youth ministry. And all of a sudden, all the other kids started liking this kid's dad. And the kids started realizing, hey, I'm shocked. All my friends kind of like you. I mean, that's kind of... Uh, I thought you were a nerd, but, you know... Uh, everybody kind of well. Still, I'm going to be involved in some way. I'm going to, and as they get older, you know, my kids still need uh, eye contact with their dad. I take some time. I'm looking at them, communicating that I'm I'm touching them, holding them, kissing them. Now, as they get older, they they. Uh, in fact, James especially. My girls always love that. James went through a stress. He didn't want to be hugged and he didn't want to be kissed. But you know what? Experts say that they need even more. So I got to be a little more creative. 
You know, I got to just, again, what's for a shot, a, a hug, or just pat him on the back if he goes by, or give him a shot on the butt, you know, so, he, so he's feeling. Uh, my dad, I went through it at a time when I was kind of like, my dad, I, I've always had bad hamstrings. He started at night, when I, I, I'd lay and watch sports or, or TV. He would actually rub my, my hamstrings with rubbing alcohol. And, and, and of course, what they did back then. And, and, and so he's rubbing. But you know what? It was just a way. And my dad has his hands on me, just investing in me. And you know what? I can still smell rubbing alcohol to this day. And the thought that comes back is those moments uh, laying in the den, watching the TV, and my dad just massaging my legs. So, so you have to be a little more creative. I would, I would do dates with your girl. Man, I'd take him. If she likes the pizza, I'd take her to pizza. If, if she wants a nice steak, I'd, I'd, I'd get a nice place and go take her. And so, so you're spending time with her, letting her, her talk. You listen. You ask questions about her life. And, and, and if she'll talk, you let her talk as long as you want. You know, when a kid stop, starts talking, you drop everything and listen. Because if they're talking and you don't listen, one day they're going to stop talking. And, 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 and you want them to talk. So you've got to be maybe a little more uh, creative and, and, and just, it, it's a phase. And, you know, I hate it, it started until 7. I used to go eat, eat every, every uh, once a week you go as a dad and have lunch at school. And I did that with all three of my kids, all three, and I loved it. But, of course, in junior high, you don't do that. That's, that's not acceptable. Of course, now it, it, it must be done. But you still want to do stuff and, and, and find stuff she enjoys doing and, and do it with her as best you can. Again, my desire is in, in, it, it, it's more than just instructing you, is inspiring you. You know what? I'm going to be that kind of dad. I'm getting involved in this thing. And when it's all said and done, I want my life to have said about how I chose to live. I didn't. I just make a difference in the world, in my church, in my field of career. I made a difference in the life of my kids, and also life of my wife. And this is still true, men. The greatest influence on the home, by far and away, the greatest influence on the home is the marriage. That's why, before God, I'm not just going to make a difference in my... I'm going to start loving my wife the way Christ loved the church. And, of course, that's another whole subject. Maybe we can hit that one day and, and, and talk about that. Hey, it was great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Neil. <clears throat> you know, I, I realized, and because I've known Neil so long, I, I forgot to inter- really introduce him. I said, here's Neil. Uh, so I, I want to apologize. Um, I want to apologize for that. Let me real briefly. As a matter of fact, again, I want to. Uh, I told you we'd be out of here by 8:15. So if you need to go, please get up and and take off. And uh, and God bless you if you need to go. Um, but let me tell you a couple things about Neil, and then I'm going to ask him to share one story, if he would. Uh, first of all, Neil uh, played uh, football at Baylor uh, University. As a matter of fact, in the glory years under Grant Taft. And uh, matter of fact, there's a great story. Do what? Our glory year. <laughs> and then, uh, then Neil was drafted uh, in the NFL by San Diego originally, weren't you? And um, and played a couple places. 
And uh, most of y'all probably remember seeing him uh, a lot when he was playing. Um, if you, matter of fact, let's see. Nobody. <laughs> nobody no, nobody remembers. It was. It's been a long time ago. But uh, the thing that I always appreciated about Neil, and as you already realize, is first of all, is definitely his passion and his heart for God. But uh, he's got a book out. He just showed me earlier. Uh, Neil has really does very well with his speaking now, as you can tell. Uh, but as a, a child and as a high school student, uh, struggled tremendously. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to let him him tell it, uh, just because I think most guys would be interested. He, uh, of, of course, was a, a star quarterback in high school and then in college and then uh, played in the NFL. But um, think about this, a severe stuttering problem and you play quarterback. So, Neil, would you come and share what you did, how you handled that? Because if you think about that for a moment, uh, just think about how do, how, do, how do you pull that one off? A huddle, and, and for me, it just wasn't enough time. <laughs> and, and we were constantly having a situation that that, that that I'd be in the huddle calling the play. I get stuck, stutter. Twenty-five seconds runs out. Referee throws a flag, and we lose five yards for the of games. So I'm costing us some yardage. So my coach, Coach John Davis, devised the system whereby if I was on the field, I never had to say anything. And we did that in the huddle. We had a split in. He stood right beside me in the huddle. His name was Steve Thomas. Steve said every play for me in the huddle. He'd say the formation, say the play, say the snap count, say ready break. So I didn't have to do anything in the hook. Steve said everything for me. In fact, my coach had said, Neil, you just be on a knee in the huddle and kind of act like you're doing something. But he said, <laughs> he did say, but don't open your mouth because it just confuses everybody. So Steve said it all. We'd break the huddle, hustle up at the line of scrimmage. Once we reached the line of scrimmage, I had a fullback. He always lined up right behind me in the eye formation. His name was Stu Cropper. And Stu would say all the huts for me at the line of scrimmage. And it was, it was so unique just to watch that initial reaction of the defense. When, when Stu would be saying the huts, of course, I, uh, uh, I'm just smiling. I'm in the center. Yeah. <laughs> and, and nobody knew who, who was saying those huts or where those huts were coming from. But it also, I went to Baylor and uh, ended up down there as a freshman my, in, in 1971. And I'm from Kansas, and I went there. And that first practice, I'm having a terrible time calling the plays in the huddle. I mean, it, it was a disaster. What made it um, worse was nobody there actually knew I stuttered. I had I'd failed to mention that to anybody. And uh, uh, so I'm having a hard time. I mean, it was terrible. I was embarrassed. Everybody was wondering, what's up with this freshman quarterback from Kansas who, who I can't even talk? Well, about half of that first practice, Coach Taft, who was our coach at the time, a great man, great Christian, great guy. He saw the situation, what it was doing to me, everybody. So he called me on the sideline, and I said, Coach, I'm a stutterer. It's not always this bad. Uh, sometimes it's worse. <laughs> we discussed it. We talked about it. He asked me some questions. One of the uh, 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 questions he asked me was, he asked me if I stuttered when I sang. And I thought, no, sir, for some reason. I, don't, I can't explain this, but I can sing without stuttering. He said, Neil, try this. Just see if you can try stepping in the huddle and sing a play to the guys. Well, I was only a freshman, and I stepped in there as soon as it was my time again. And I did. I actually sang something like, uh, Slot, right, X49, GY, cross, X out, something like that. And it, it loosened everybody up. <laughs> and it helped me. And it, it was so much easier to kind of sing song the play that uh, I kept singing it. And it was kind of neat and novel, and everyone was kind of 
join this. And after a while, I kind of asked if anybody had any requests. Would you be singing the play to? <laughs> I'd rather sing for him. But, but, uh, and, and I actually stayed with that to one of our centers after about three practices came up to Coach Taft. Aubrey Schultz was this guy. He comes up and says, Coach, all the guys had decided that we would rather hear him stutter than have to listen to him sing. But uh, it, 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 it has been an and, uh, adventure. And uh, I do have some, some books. Well, you can go online, neiljeffrey.com. And it's just my story. If actually, the title is, If I Can, You, you Can, is the title. It's just kind of my old story of what God has done. Because literally, what God has done is taking the thing I thought was the worst thing about me, the thing I hated the most, and has turned it around into something precious because I've seen how it honors him in, in this whole deal. And how he can use anybody, even a guy like me, and, and, and be two things I dreamed my whole life of doing, playing quarterback and being a preacher, which is probably the two things a stutterer shouldn't do. But... But it was my heart. It was, it, it was my path. It's what I wanted to do. And you know what? God, in, in His infinite goodness and grace, has, has made all that happen. And I just, I just praise Him. That's, that's why it's good. Well, I called. I, I mean, I was so afraid of girls. And, and it's hard to be cool and stutter at the same time. You can't do that. So I, I, I never dated. I was never around girls. I just avoided them. I didn't want to be. I mean, it was just terrible. And at the end of my junior year, my dad actually said, Neil, it's time you started dating. Uh, girls. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So Vicki Rose is this girl's name. And I decided, you know, I'm going to call her up and ask her out. Well, a phone for, for a stutterer is the worst, the scariest thing there is. And, and you'd assume it'd be easy because cause, uh, nobody's there. You just got this. But it's just, it, it's hard. And so I call her up. And, of course, I, I'm worried about stuttering, talking on the phone, and I go, you know, all night long, I'm going back there, and my dad's studying, and chickening out, and going back, and then finally I dial it, it's ringing, and all of a sudden, this awful thought hits me while it's ringing, you know, what am I going to do here for dad answers the phone, where he answers the phone, and I hung up, I couldn't, I, I couldn't deal with that, well, I waited, I called back later, I said, God, anyway, let her in, well, she answered the phone. And as soon as she said hello, I mean, it just kind of threw me. And, and I, I, I'm trying to say, hello, this is Neil Jeffrey. I'm stuck on the H. <laughs> and, and it won't come out. I'm stuck. And, of course, you panic. makes it worse. You get tense. I, I'm trying. She says hello on her side. I'm, I'm trying to get somebody to say, come. She says hello again. After a while, I'm trying to hum, whistle, make any of it. But nothing's happening. It's just a tense at She could hear me breathing. But after a while, she said, Here's what she said. She said, is something wrong with you or can't you talk? Which is a pretty interesting thing to say. As soon as she said that, for some reason I was able to just relax enough and, and I just muttered, believe me, if I could, I would. And I hung up and never called her back. <laughs> that was my first experience with a girl. But, you know, I'm amazed that I, I found a, a, that God had a great girl for me who loved me just like I was. And, and, and actually, I, I, I met her at Baylor and went on a blind date. Her major was speech therapy. <laughs> I'm serious. She's a speech therapist to this day. Is that amazing? Thank you. <laughs>
Well, let's do this. Let's uh, pray together, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you again for this time this evening. Uh, Thank you for the challenge that Neil has presented to us tonight uh, to love God and to love our children. And, Lord, I pray that um, those practical applications of looking our child in the eye, of getting on their level, of talking to them about the faith and talking to them about sex, telling them that we, we care, listening, I pray, God, that we would uh, remember those and still those in our minds and recognize that we don't have all the answers. We're going to make mistakes, and our kids are not always going to respond. But, Lord, you still have expectations of us, and we always want to invest uh, in our children regardless of the response that we receive. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us in that capacity, that you would grow us in grace and wisdom. And, Lord, we will be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In your name I pray. Amen.